Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into uh, a new two-week series uh, starting today. Uh, and then in uh, two weeks, we're going to start a second series, kind of like in April, we're doing kind of a two-mini series called What Now? And uh, I just felt like during what's going on in our world today that we should take some time to talk about uh, hope. And so we're going to start a two-week series called There's Still Hope. So just take a minute. Come on, whether it's your dog or it's the person sitting next to you or you just want to yell it all by yourself. Come on, repeat after me. There's still hope. Come on, there's still hope, even though it feels like we're in a hopeless season of the world today. You know, today is historically for Christians on the calendar is a day where we celebrate uh, Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is a day when Jesus came into Jerusalem, and it was a prophetic moment uh, in the Bible that, that uh, was, uh, there was prophetic words all hundreds of years prior to Jesus walking on the earth. And these prophetic words talked about the coming of Jesus and the coming of the Messiah. And as Jesus was on a donkey coming into Jerusalem, people laid down palm branches singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and uh, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was this prophetic realization that these people had been waiting for hundreds of years for the coming Messiah to come and restore the earth back to what they believed it was supposed to be. And so it was this huge moment of hope and this huge moment of prophetic confirmation and and these people for years were waiting in anticipation for this coming messiah and as i i kind of was driving around the last couple of days you know i i haven't been able to go anywhere as you know everything's closed so i just try to go to the drive through starbucks and then i sit in the parking lot and pretend like i'm uh, inside and it's my only reprieve from being in my home 24 7 uh, in my home and i love my home and i love you honey and i love my children but i need a little break come on somebody so um i just was driving around and um you know i just was kind of overwhelmed with the reality of what's going on in our world and I just begin to think about Palm Sunday thinking, I think I kind of understand what these people were feeling. This idea in their mind that they, they were just hoping that the world that they were living in, the realities that they were facing, the political uh, troubles they were in, the, the sickness across the world, the, the, all of the things that they were facing in their life, they knew that when Jesus came back, it, he would make all things right. And it was this internal hope that this would soon end, that this world we were in, the challenge we were facing, the difficulty we were up against would soon come to a close. And there was this deep, deep hope in the people. And I, I began to really think about the idea of Romans chapter eight and talked about this frustration. Every one of us is subjected to this frustration. There's something in us that groans with a longing for the sons of, of God to be revealed and this longing in us for God to do what he said that he would do in our lives. And I began to realize that, man, I think I understand what these people must have feel like. And I began to realize, you know what? There's still hope. Come on, there's still hope. Say it again. There's still hope. 
Come on, there is still hope when we think about the fact that in the world we're living in today, we are also waiting for Christ to come back. Not only that, but we're waiting for the presence of Jesus to come into our lives and we can actually experience hope today when our entire world, when you go on CNN and CBC News and Fox News and you know TMZ maybe, maybe not, but all the different news as you watch, you watch all of the online stuff and social media, all we see is hopelessness. But we can know that through a relationship with Jesus Christ, he brings us hope. There is still hope. Man, this whole thing has altered our global reality. I mean, it's just crazy to think that it, this isn't just impacting Canadians. This is impacting the entire planet. I mean, think about it for a minute. Restaurants and stores and the way of life has changed for every person across the planet. And sometimes it feels like we're living in a dream. I mean, doesn't it? It kind of feels like I'm waiting just to wake up, that I feel like that the last two or three weeks has been an eternity. I feel like we've been in our homes for months. I feel like this new reality that we're experiencing, and the worst part of it all is that isn't it the worst part that we just don't know when it's going to end? I feel like if I knew when it was going to end, we could all kind of like, like champs kind of pound it out. You know what I mean? Like hunker down for four weeks, and then we're going to be able to be out of this mess in May 1st. Come on, everybody. Let's enjoy the season of us working at home. But we don't even know when this darn thing is going to end. Some say May, some say July. Who knows when this whole reality is going to come to a close? Who knows when things are going to get back to normal? Who knows? And so it creates this kind of longing in us for this, this hopelessness in us that, man, I just don't see the end of what, what's going on in our world. And I don't know about you, but I'm aware that there's a lot of people struggling just this week alone in my own world as a pastor, people arm's length to me, I've, I've, I've heard of someone who, who knew someone who committed suicide, someone whose marriage is on the rocks, uh, someone's lost their job, uh, there was a miscarriage, uh, somebody was uh, having uh, trouble with their children at home, with homeschooling. And if you look at uh, just me, arm's length to people, some of the most terrible realities of life have happened in one week. And we have to understand that there's probably people who are drinking more than they've ever drank and looking at more pornography than they've ever looked at and eating more than they've ever eaten and watching things more than they've ever watched before. Like all of these things that we normally wouldn't do with our organized, you know, kind of structured life. Now we find ourselves where we're giving in to all of these ways to kind of cope with the reality of what's going on. And I imagine some of us feel lazy and some of us feel unproductive and some of us are sleeping in more than we want to and some of us aren't sleeping at all we're all facing this new reality where it's carving out these new rhythms and these new routines in our lives and and some of us aren't reading our bible as much as we used to and some of us aren't praying as much as we used to and some of us are just kind of giving up and just feeling like man there just doesn't feel like there's any hope i just don't know what's next and the bible teaches that when you and i have a hope in our lives and that hope is postponed it makes our heart sick. And that's scripture here in Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It makes my heart sick. That, that word deferred is to postpone, is to delay, is to put off. That word sick there speaks to the idea of sorrow, or it's the idea of, of diseased or 
wounded or grieved. And so we're, we, we're looking across the landscape of our planet and we're looking at the physical sickness of people. We're looking at the now million people who've contracted COVID-19 and the over 100,000 people in just the United States alone. And I think the Lord Canada doesn't have as many, but we see numbers rising and we look across the landscape and see all of the physical impact it's having on our world. But what we don't realize is that when you and I are in a position where hope is being deferred, it's actually making our hearts sick. It's actually tormenting our soul. It's actually causing us to feel like, man, with my job, I was just getting so much momentum and I was going so far. And then all of a sudden this happens and now I don't even know what's going to happen. Or man, my marriage relationship, we were doing so well and now I got to spend every waking moment with this person and things are back to the way they were. Or maybe, maybe for you, I mean, even for us as a church, I thought, man, here we go, getting into car now, let's do this. And it's like, oh my gosh, God, like, man, we don't get to gather together. The saints are scattered. What are we going to do? And what it does is it doesn't just cause a physical sickness. It actually causes this internal sickness in all of us. And this is a time more than ever where people don't just need a hope for healing physically, though they do. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Every person on the planet needs hope for their heart. They need hope for, the, for their lives. They need hope for, your, for God's purpose for your life. You need hope for the ministry God has for you. You need hope for your marriage. You need hope for your relationships. You need hope for your finances. Like getting sick is, is terrible and it's awful. And yes, there's a big fear for that. But often we realize that in our hearts are, are probably just as much in trouble than our physical bodies. It's interesting that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And now more than ever, we need to know that there is still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope for our lives. This world does not need to be talking about, is it the end of the world? Listen, the Bible teaches us that the world will end like a thief in the night. Meaning this, you ain't going to have any clue. We think all this must be the sign of the times. Oh, you're not that smart and neither am I. We have no idea when this world's going to wrap up. But this is what we do know. We should not be focusing or telling people about the end of the world. We should be talking to people about the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. There's still hope. There's still hope for our lives. And we need to understand that. And so what I want to do today is, is I want to just take you into a scripture. Scripture that I actually alluded to a couple of weeks ago on our face, our first Pursue Night Online. And I just felt like it was a a message of hope. And I want to just give you three thoughts from this scripture, but I want to read it for you. And then we're just going to look at this very relevant story to our world today um, in John chapter five, verses one to nine. And it's going to be right on the screen in front of you there. But you're also welcome if you want at home to open up your paper Bible, open up your digital Bible if you want. Um, Feel free to do that. Take notes if you'd like. Uh, But John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. And it says this, Sometime later, there was a religious gathering of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there is a pool with five porches called Bethesda, near the Sheep Gate. And inside these porches lay many sick people. Some were blind, and some could not walk, and some could not move their bodies. Now, in your Bible, most likely, there's a little asterisk there, and it jumps from uh, verse 2, or verse 3 to verse 5. So verse 4 isn't in most Bibles and in the very bottom there's an asterisk because later on a copyist came back and felt like it was important to help other people help people understand why this man was at this pool 
And so in most Bibles, it's in a parenthesis, maybe a little bit of an italics, or it's on the bottom like mine is. It's on the very bottom in the footnote. It's a, a, a later added to help the reader. And this is what it says. An angel of the Lord came at certain times and made the water move. All of them were waiting for it to move. Whoever got in the water first after it was moving was healed of whatever sickness he had. And a man was there who had been sick for 38 years. My entire life, this man had been invalid. He was sick. He was unable to move. He was unable to walk. He was, he was unable to live a normal life. And Jesus saw him lying there and knew the man had been sick a long time. And Jesus said to him, would you like to be healed? And the sick man said, well, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water's moving. And while I'm coming, another one gets in first. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your bed and walk. And at once, everyone say at once. The man was healed and picked up his bed and walked. This happened on the day of rest. I love that. This happened on the day of rest. Come on, somebody. This happened at once when they were on the day of rest. Stop trying to strive for it and do it. And we just stop and rest. And look what God does. He restores our hope. We say, oh, I got to work. And I say, on the day of rest, on the day when you just stop striving and rest, God comes and says, all right, at once, I'm going to heal your life. When you and I stop striving. If for a moment, just close your eyes for a moment, imagine this picture, just a picture of battleground strewn with wounded bodies, and this is a picture of Bethesda. Maybe imagine a nursing home that's overcrowded and understaffed, and that's where you see this pool. Maybe as people would pass, what did they hear? They would hear the endless wave of groans from people who were sick and wanting healing. What did they witness? There was a field of faceless needs. And here we have this situation where all of these people were, were experiencing physical sickness. And who showed up on the scene? Jesus walked right into the middle of this situation. Can you picture it for a moment? Just imagine Jesus himself, God himself, walking into this suffering, walking into all these people who needed help, walking by all these people who were struggling. And what was he thinking? When someone who was infected reached out and touches Jesus, Jesus' ankle, what do you think he did? Or when someone walked by, didn't do a proper cough, and they went, <coughs> instead of, <coughs> Jesus, did he distance himself? No, he leaned in, and he was there in that moment in the time of sickness, in the time where everyone else would run away. Jesus went right into the COVID-19 ward of the hospital. He walked right into the middle, right into the difficulty, right into the hardship. He walked right into a crowd of people who had no hope and were looking for hope. And little did they know that God himself was walking in their midst. The creator of the universe, the savior, the king, the hope giver. God was with them right then in their need of their lives. And what they believed was is that an angel would, would stir this. And I did a lot of research on this and found that all throughout the world, even today in France and in Mexico, there are different streams that come from, uh, from the underground water tunnels. And these water tunnels will cause the water to stir and trouble. And the water will come up and come down. And as it stirs and troubles, it begins to bubble. And this water... Uh, many theologians believe and scholars believe that it had medicinal value. And so when you got in the water, just like a hot spring, it would actually heal your body. 
And so many theologians believe that it actually wasn't an angel necessarily stirring it, but it was more just a natural spring that caused medicinal healing for the people and that individuals did get healed because that water fixed their ailment, but everyone else thought that that would fix their ailment as well. And so everybody came around that pool looking to this natural way to heal their bodies. But in reality, it was only available to certain types of people who, who the water would help them. So here there are all these people gathered together looking at this place and here they're looking for hope. They have their eyes uh, hoping for, for, for on the, the, the eyes on the pool, hoping for an angel to stir it, waiting in expectation, hoping that it one day happen, hoping that this will work out, hoping that I can soon get back to work, hoping that I won't lose my job, hoping that this relationship will make it, hoping that I won't get COVID-19, hoping that our world gets back to normal, hoping that this isn't a bigger scheme uh, behind everything else. Sorry, it's a little conspiracy theory moment. Like, hoping that this isn't all constructed by the greater powers of whatever. No, I'm just kidding. I don't believe in that stuff. <laughs> we all, they're there hoping for something more in their lives or wanting breakthrough, but what they didn't know is that the hope that they were searching for would not come from that pool and would not come from that water. And verse five says that there had been, that man was sick and Jesus came to him and began to ask him a question and this man was sick for 38 years. Come on, doesn't it feel like we've been quarantined for 38 years? <laughs> Just waiting around for some hope, for something to change, for some breakthrough. And the reality is, is that day after day, this man was waiting, year after year, this man was waiting. Every time he got there, was about to step in, someone else would cut in front of him. Maybe it's not about this current situation, but man, every time I would work hard at work and I would do my best and then every time I go for that promotion, somebody else would get it. Every time I try to get that deal or get that thing moving forward, I just feel like my coworker would steal that from underneath me. Or every time I would try to make this happen or every time I get my finances in order, I get back in debt. Or every time I try to serve my wife or serve my spouse, they just, it falls apart and it doesn't, every time I try to get up and try to get hope in my life, things fall apart every single time. And I feel like many of us live in this place of hopelessness where we feel like even our best of intentions always falls flat and someone else gets a better deck of hand, a deck of cards than we do. Someone else ends up getting what was mine or someone else ends up seeing fulfillment or the life that, that I want to see. I mean, I was watching, my kids were watching that bee movie this, uh, this morning and the, 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 the bee in the movie ended up getting with the girl like they were like liked each other. It was really odd. But the, the guy that, the guy the dating the girl, bro, she broke, sorry, here we go. Let me say it again. She broke up with him for the bee. And at the very end of the movie, the guy says, this bee is living my life. <laughs> And it just was like, oh, yeah, like as many of us feel that way. Like, man, like this little guy is living my life. Like someone else is succeeding and I'm not or whatever it might be. We feel like, man, every time I try to do something in my life, I just fall flat on my face. And he had an excuse. Here he is. God is standing right in front of him. God said, do you want, Jesus says, do you want to get well? Can I help you? Imagine Jesus standing in front of me right now. Can, can, can I help you? Can I make you well? And this is what the man's doing. Yeah, well, um, I'm just making, can you move a little bit? I just want to make sure the angel doesn't stir the, the pool when I'm, 
when, when you're talking to me, just get out of my way for a minute. Yep, I get you. Like, you, yes, I want to be well, but every time I try to get in that pool, Jesus, just, can you just step aside? Jesus, can you move aside for a minute? Like, I know, like, you could probably help me and bring me hope and joy, but I'm just going to put you aside, and I'm going to fix my eyes on COVID-19. I'm going to fix my eyes on the stock market. I'm going to fix my eyes on the difficulty. I'm going to fix my eyes on the fact that my finances are a little bit lower than they used to be or that I have to go on EI or that I have to lose my job or that I have to be home. Or I'm going to fix my eyes there. Jesus, can you just, uh, yes, I want to be well. Yes, I want this to work out. Yes, I want hope. Yes, I want joy. Yes, I want fulfillment. Yes, I want to experience eternal of thirst that is the quenching of your, of your grace and your love and your mercy. Yes, I want you to fill my life, but could you just, please stop getting in my way I'm trying to focus on the news <laughs> and see this is kind of what this man did when Jesus the creator of the universe stood right in front of him hey did you want to be made well yes Jesus of course I want to be made well but every time I try to get up and get in the pool someone steps up in front of me like I'm hopeless here this was a place of hopelessness and many of us in this uh, watching in this room today and watching today are in this place where maybe you're the kind of person, oh, I'm fine, it's good, we'll get back to normal, who really cares? But deep down in your heart, there's this frustration. Deep down in your heart, there's this hopelessness. Deep down in your heart, no matter how, you tr how badly you try to mask it, you're just like every other person on this planet who says, Jesus, I need some hope in my life. I need to know that work's gonna get back to normal. I need to know that my kids are gonna get back to normal. I need to know that I'm gonna be able to pay the mortgage. I need to know that my wife and I are gonna make it. I need to know that my loved ones aren't gonna die or my old, elderly family members aren't gonna pass away. Or I need to know, Jesus, I need some hope. So no matter how cool you're trying to play it, left to yourself in the darkness of your room on your bed when no one else is looking and the real parts of you start to come out, Jesus, I don't like this, God. I don't like how this life's looking. I need some hope in my life. I need need some fre a fresh touch of your spirit. I need a fresh touch of your mercy and your grace in my life because I've been trying to do this and pound it out and just kind of champ my way through it. But in reality, every single person here today watching on this screen needs the hope. And I'm here to tell you, there is still hope. There's hope. I want to give you just three really quick observations from the one statement that Jesus makes to this man walking around this hopelessness with the globe shut down because of a virus, and people losing their jobs and marriages and all the things I've referred to and Jesus is standing in the very middle of it, walking around to you today saying, hey, do you wanna get well? Can I give you hope? There's three things that I just noticed from this verse that I found very interesting. Verse six, again, Jesus says, and this is the NIV translation, not the NLT, so I switched translations on you, but you can see it right in the screen there. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned, interesting, Jesus learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? So Jesus walks into a crowd of maybe hundred, hundreds, maybe thousands of people. And the, we only have one account of Jesus helping one person. Walks into the group of people here. And he goes to this one man and there was, he, he saw out of a crowd of people, Jesus saw this one man. First thought, I, the observation I wanna make to you to bring you some, some hope today, that there's hope. And it's very simple, but I need you to just hear this. God is with you right now. He is watching you. He is hearing you. He is seeing you. 
you might not realize it today. You might not feel it today. But God is hearing, he's watching, he's listening, he's helping. God is with you right now. The, only, the Bible only records just one moment. But Jesus, the reason I believe that Jesus recognized this man is because Jesus didn't just see his physical need. Jesus recognized that he wasn't just in need physically, but his heart was sick too. He was so hopeless that his heart was feeling discouraged. His heart was feeling down. His heart was feeling depressed. His heart was feeling overwhelmed. His heart was feeling stirred. His heart was feeling tortured. And when Jesus walked in, he noticed, okay, this man isn't just about his physical side. There's something on the inside that's impacting him right now. And I want him to know that I see him, that I'm, I'm, I'm watching him, that, that, that I, be, I hear his prayer. I hear what he's asking. He hears you. He hears you in the time of night when you're laying in bed with your wife saying, okay, God, we don't know what we're gonna do financially. He hears you in the, in the time in your car when you go on a drive just to clear your head and you're saying, God, I don't like this. God hears you and that should bring you hope today knowing that when you speak out loud, he's watching you, he's hearing you, he's speaking to you, he sees you in this season. Look at the scripture in Psalm 17, 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. How about this famous verse in Psalms 23, 4? Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Or the NIV says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Jesus heard him. Jesus knew it. The Father revealed this to Jesus. 1 Peter 3.12, For the Lord is watching His children, listening to their prayers. God wants to speak to you. God spoke to this man. Think about it for a minute. Walking among all of these people, hundreds if not thousands of people, and Jesus walks into the center of the difficulty, and he, God speaks to this one man and says, do you want to get well? Remember, everyone else is focused on the pool, and Jesus honed in on this one man and said, do you want to get well? You have to remember that in this season, God is trying to speak to you. God wants to speak to you in this season. God wants your ear today. He wants you. You think that the situation we're going through is just so you and I can put it in autopilot and just coast our way through it? No, no, no. This is the time when your Father in heaven wants to speak to you. He wants to hear you. He wants to have a relationship to you, with you. He wants to speak words to you like, hey, do you know that I can heal that wound in your heart or that I can heal that brokenness in you? Or hey, you've been having some lack of faith in your life about my provision. Hey, I want to work on that in your life. Or hey, you know that you're actually a really good father or you're a really good wife or you're a really good mother. Hey, did you know that you're a daughter and a son of the most high God? God wants to speak to you in your house and in your room. We, you know, I'm, I'm guilty. Netflix binging. Hello, somebody. But listen, let's pause the Netflix just for a moment and just consider the fact that if you went down into your room and turned on some worship music, maybe your father wants to speak to you. Come on, there's still hope. Why? Because you're God. He's watching you and he's with you right now. He wants your heart to get well in this season. The second thought here today, the second observation 
Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? The second one is this, there's hope for you to dream again. I found it really interesting, and I'll just be really honest with you. Um, when this whole thing happened, in my carnality, in my, I don't know if I should say this over a live stream where there could be hundreds of people watching this, so, um, but this is just who I am. So the, honestly, the first thing I thought about doing is working up a resume because <laughs> I thought, I don't know if we're gonna make it. So I literally went downstairs and, I mean, it's been a long time since I've done a resume because I've owned my own business and did my own thing, but I put resume, Ryan Iverson, and, I, and then like, you know, I'm thinking about the office episode when uh, somebody was trying to get a job, uh, putting in his resume, and they said, hey, we need a resume from you, and he, went, he called Microsoft and said, hi, I'm looking for the little paper clip that helps me do a resume, because <laughs> he didn't know how, that's how I felt. And, you know, I find that when things like this happen, are, we, we have kind of like an open field to dream, right? We kind of think, oh man, I'm gonna, you know, I know for a friend of mine who's like, man, we're gonna buy a house and we're gonna do this and do this and this. And then it's like something like this happens and it's like, oh my gosh, like, can we even afford a house now? And does that dream go down the toilet? And are my kids gonna be able to go to the school that we wanted them to go to? And is life gonna pan out this way? It's like, we begin to look at our life and our dreams begin to go on hold and we forget that God still has a purpose for our life even when life comes to a halt. Because we forget, we think that God didn't know anything about COVID-19. We think that our being at home and having a decrease in income or having to be with our spouse or having to be home with our kids is a mistake when in reality, God did that just for you. And we begin to not dream anymore. And maybe we stopped dreaming because our dreams weren't really God's dreams. Maybe they were just our dreams. This puts us in a place where we have to ask ourselves a question. Am I going to live by faith as a follower of Christ and believe that if this is God's life for me and he has a purpose for me, then he's going to fulfill that purpose. But what God's hope does, there's still hope because you and I can dream again. Think about this for a minute. When Jesus came to him and said, do you want to get well? He had been sick for 38 years. So I'm sure there was one time in his life when he was like, oh yeah, man, I'm gonna get healed this year, 2020. Come on, I'm gonna get healed and I'm gonna start a new life and I'm gonna get married. And then, then all of a sudden March comes and it's like, holy cow, COVID-19. Holy cow, I did not expect this. Life did not turn out like I hoped that it would. And I'm sure 38 years, he had times where he had the motivation and the passion to dream for his healing and his transformation. But now, 38 years into this journey, Jesus asks this very simple question, do you want to get made well? And he says, well, he didn't even say yes or no. He just said, I've tried to get well, but I can't get into that pool. He didn't even acknowledge that Jesus says, do you want to? He didn't say, yeah, sure, or no. He just said, I can't. See, what happens is, is that whenever we face something like this, our dreams go on hold. And it feels like our future's on hold. But God is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He is not surprised by this and he's not surprised by your life. And he wants you to know today you can continue to dream because you might come out the other end of this fulfilling God's purpose for you. This might alter the course of your life where you decide to do something else because God puts you on hold in the thing that you were doing and he speaks to you and says, actually, you need to start doing this and you start investing in your life. He might even have a whole life trajectory shift and he say, when did this happen? COVID-19. 
That's when I stopped getting in the hustle. I stopped working in the rat race. I stopped for 10 seconds to hear the voice of God and realize, oh my gosh, what I was doing wasn't God's purpose anyways. It was my dream. And now he turns me towards what he wants me towards. Look at this verse in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. Come on, we love that verse, don't we? But we actually don't understand the context of that verse. The context of this verse is, is crazy because this verse is not saying that God is writing us a, bl a blank check of his favor. It's not saying that. God is, has a plan for me that is good. So it's kind of like we're thinking, okay, God's plan for me is good. So the, clearly the suffering that I'm going through will end soon. And then my flourishing will begin. But that's not at all what God is promising these Israelites. And it's not what he's promising us either. What this verse means is this. It means, it means that you can have a, a hope and a dream within your suffering. The heart of this verse is not that they would escape their suffering or escape their challenge, but it's that they would learn to thrive in the midst of it. These, they were 70 years in captivity in Babylon and the words that God said this to when he spoke to these people, none of them would be able to return back to the promised land. They would all die in captivity. So they had to learn how to live a purposeful life, a dream purposeful life above and beyond all that I can ask or dream and imagine life in the suffering, in the COVID-19, in the isolation, in the loss of a job, in the sickness, in the difficulty. That is what he meant when he said, I'm not gonna get you out of trouble and then bless you. He says, no, I'm gonna bless you in the trouble, in your suffering. And the people of God were to be blessed, but not by being fixed. God knows the plans he has for you. And I wanna read this here on my, on my notes. And ultimately he will give us a glorious future. But as we walk out our lives on this crazy earth, let's remember that the best growth comes through persevering through trials, not escaping them entirely. And when we learn perseverance, look at, listen to this, we find surprising hope and joy. See, this is a season of your life where we, we don't have to stop dreaming, but we can start dreaming and believing that even in this season, he wants to give you a purpose and a hope. And here's a third thought. There's hope for you to thrive in this season, not just survive. To thrive and not just survive. So Jesus says three things. He says, okay, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. So Jesus is talking to a man who had been sitting in self-isolation for three weeks. <laughs> a man who had been sitting in that place for 38 years. And Jesus walks up to him and he's, he's hopeless and he's focused on the pool and he's facing difficulty and he's facing hardship and he's broken and he doesn't know what else he needs to do and he's stuck in a hopeless position in his life. And Jesus has the audacity to walk up to him and say, I want you to thrive and stop surviving. Get up, pick up your mat and start walking. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some hope today, but I want to speak to you right now. I want to challenge you right now. That word get up means to be shaken out of your slumber. It means this, wake up. <laughs> Come on, wake up. 
Wake up. This too shall pass. Wake up. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Wake up. God knows all things. Wake up. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. Wake up. There's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. Wake up out of your slumber, out of your doldrum, out of your apathy. Come on today, wake up. See, when God, when Jesus spoke that to this man, in one word, get up, rise up. In two words, he spoke that to him. What happened was, is this man instantly had capacity to do things in his life that he did not have before because by God's word, he spoke to him. He said, get up. And immediately the man said, okay, I have the faith and the ability to get up. 38 years he was in that condition. And in one word, Jesus said to him, get up. It's time to do something about it. It's time to go deeper in your devotions. It's time to stop waking up late. Come on, somebody. I know it's hard, but come on, get it up a little bit earlier. It's time to get downstairs and get in the gym. I'm just preaching to myself right now. There's a hair going up in the air. Uh, I'm just preaching to myself right now. Like, Come on, get up a little earlier. Come on, get, get exercising, Ryan. Come on, stop eating those donuts. Come on, stop eating those Nutella packs late at night. Come on, don't watch so much TV. Come on, get up, right? Come on, this is the time. Get up, wake up out of your slumber. Shake up, because when we come out of this season, we will either be disciplined or undisciplined. We'll either be people of God or we'll just be on autopilot and we're gonna be scraping our way out of the normals of life when in reality, we can go to another level in this season. Come on, we need to get up. The second thing he says is pick up. That phrase there, pick up, means to elevate to the next level. It means you're gonna go to the next level. This was, this COVID-19, this whole season is a disappointing season for many people where life just isn't panning out like you wanted it to. And I'm telling you here today that there's still hope. But did you know that even in this hopeless situation, God wants to elevate you to another level? He wants to elevate your ability to hear his voice. He wants to elevate you to the place where you can go beyond in your relationship with your spouse. He wants to elevate you so that you can have better ideas and more ideas uh, to be able to go beyond. He, he wants to speak to you. Now, I have to admit, sometimes I feel a little bit um, guilty because I'm not being very, I don't feel like I'm being very productive, but I saw a meme and there's a lot of funny ones out there. All those memes are hilarious. But I did see one that said, listen, give yourself a break for not being so uh, unproductive. There's a global pandemic uh, happening right now. Give yourself a bit of a break. Okay. So give yourself a break. Don't feel so guilty, but I'm hearing you telling you today, God wants to take you to, he wants to elevate you to a next level. He wants you to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. He doesn't want us to go back. He, and the, this is why Jesus said this to this man. Because if, if, if this man would have left his bed there, it would have almost been like a plan B. That if my healing didn't quite work out, if I put my hope in Jesus and he fails me, at least I can go get back and get in line and wait for the pool to stir. He says, you got to let your, your, your you got to leave the, the, the plan B aside and let go of your disappointment and let go of your discouragement and let go of those things, this life that you've been living, leave it behind and choose to put your hope in me, choose to put your hope in my word, choose to put your hope in my power, leave back your plan B, just go all in, dive all in for God in this season and you will see that he will never left you, leave you, leave you, let you down. He's never let you down. His goodness is good. He's always been faithful and he will continue to be faithful to you. Come on, let go. Pick up your mat and let's get going. Let's go to a next level. And the third thing is this today. He says, walk. 
That phrase actually means, the word walk means to move forward and to advance. So think about these words. He's saying, okay, get up. Come on, wake up. Come on, elevate to the next level. Come on, let's advance in the season. These are words where Jesus is saying, listen, you've been in this season of hopelessness and I get it, but come on, now's the time in this season to choose to put your hope in me. And when you do that, you will go to the next level in your life by the power of God. You'll have a fresh faith and a fresh power and a fresh hope and a fresh desire to serve your spouse and a fresh desire to be a good parent and a fresh desire to be a good steward of your money. Come on, this is a season where we as followers followers of Jesus can have hope knowing that when this thing ends, we have a relationship with Christ. We're going to go higher and higher. God's going to bless your life. Come on, and if this world ended today, guess what? We get to spend an eternity with Christ in heaven. We get to spend an eternity with him. Our lives are not our own, but he wants to take you to the next level. Come on, he says to walk. He was surrounded by a all these people who couldn't walk. And he looked at this one person and he said, walk. And why is that? Because he knew that this guy had a sick heart. I want to leave this last verse here in John chapter five, verse nine, and the band's going to come. I want you to just listen to these words for a minute. John five, verse nine says this, at once a man was healed and picked up his bed and walked. I'm going to say it again. I really need you to see this crazy part of this story. At once, the man, at once, the man was healed and picked up his bed and walked. This man did not exude or exemplify faith at all. He didn't show on the outside that he was ready to go. It wasn't like this man had great faith or that he all of a sudden like jumped to his feet and said, okay, like there was no interaction. This man, the only thing this man had was hopelessness. All he had was his mat and he sat there on the floor looking at the pool. I can't even imagine while Jesus is talking to him, he's saying, come on, get up and take up your mat. The man's eyes were still in the pool, just making that conscious eternal decision that I'm gonna put my hope in God. Listen, I want to say this to you today because you might be watching this today and say, Ryan, I am so hopeless and I am so discouraged and I'm so depressed and I'm feeling so down and I'm feeling so lost and I'm feeling so broken. You say, Ryan, I don't know if I can even muster the hope or muster the faith. I want you to know this man didn't either. That's how faithful God is. That even in your inability in this season to muster up the hope that it's going to take for you to get out of bed sometimes. Listen, he is so faithful that he just wants to do it for you. Why? Because he loves you and he sees that your heart is sick. Not just your physical body. He sees your heart. Your hope has been deferred and your heart is being tortured and your heart is broken and you're feeling hurt and discouraged and down in this season and you're stuck on the ground looking at COVID-19 God, what's going on? And he comes to you today and he says, listen, do you want to get well? Come on, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And it says, at once. Come on, somebody say, at once. Immediately. And one stinking moment. At once. Not tomorrow. Not on Monday. Not in July when this thing comes to a close. Not when school starts back up. Not when I figure this out with my job. 
No, no, no. The situation didn't change. At once, the man just stood up. At once, today, right now, he wants to do this in your life. He wants to bring you hope. He wants to restore the dreams in your heart again. He wants to give you a chance to elevate and advance in the season, not to go back or to go down, but to go up in the name of Jesus. Come on, right now, he wants to do this in your life. He wants to bring his promises to pass in your life. You might be here today and say, Ryan, I got nothing left to give. I know that feeling. I mean, I might not be in your shoes or facing what you're facing today, but I know what it feels like, even in the last three weeks, just to be like, God, I don't know if I can go any farther. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I have what it takes to be the dad I need to be or the husband I need to be or the pastor I need to be or the man of purity I need to be, or the man of righteousness I need to be, or like, I just feel like I just don't have anything else in me to give. I'm exhausted, and I feel like my mind is overwhelmed with worry and anxiety and fear. And I mean, I'm a mess. Like, I'm just like, God, what are you going to do? And even in those moments, when I got nothing to give, he comes in his faithfulness, and he brings you a fresh hope. Because the reality is this, the grace of Jesus Christ that is available to you has nothing to do with you at all. It has everything to do with his love and his grace and his faithfulness and his compassion and his mercy. He just wants to shower it on you, not because you're great, not because you got your ducks in a row, not because you're reading your Bible finally, not because you're giving your tithe, not for any of those reasons. He just wants to bless you right now and bring hope into your heart and fill you with a fresh faith and fill you with a fresh joy. Why? Just because he loves you. He's walking right now into your home would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I just want to pray with you. Come on, everyone in the room today, just, let's just close our eyes for a moment. I just feel God even in this place right now. <sighs> Father, I just pray that you would enter every home right now, every pool of Bethesda, where there's hopelessness and brokenness today. Would you walk right into their house right now? Would you walk right into their home right now, wherever they are, Lord? And would you begin to touch their hearts? Father, we might not have a physical sickness, and some of us might. But Lord, we know that our hearts in this season, this day, are groaning, are longing. We're longing and frustrated, not understanding, God, sometimes why is this happening and what does it mean and what's going to happen and what is this all what's going on God but we need you to come right now and fill our hearts with your hope Father we just respond back to you when you say to us come on do you want to get well Lord our answer is yes Lord Lord we want you to fill our hearts right now we want you to fill our lives right now. Holy Spirit, we want you to fill our minds, with, not with fear, Lord, that we've had or, or, or concern or anxiety, God. We just pray right now, Father, you would come into our mind, Holy Spirit, right now and renew our attitude and renew our thinking and renew our understanding and give us a fresh perspective and give us a fresh understanding and help us to see things like you see things, oh God pray for our heart, Lord. Our heart, Lord, are just so broken. And Lord, I just believe in this season, Lord, you want to be more intimate with us than you've ever been, Lord. 
when we're in a broken state of need for you, God, I pray even right now that people at home would go to their knees and just begin to worship and begin to sing and begin to cry out to you, God, because, Father, we are so hungry for you to enter our tragedy and bring us hope, God, and bring us joy and faith and salvation. God, would you save us in this season, oh God? I just pray for every marriage. I pray for every husband and wife and every single person. I pray for every financial situation. I pray for every circumstance, every sick body right now. Lord, would you just come and would you bring your anointing power, bring your healing right now, bring your grace right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, I just sense the Holy Spirit's even in this room right now, and I know he's with you. Come on, just for a moment, just place your hands out in front of you and just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come into my life. Come on, I just want to pray another prayer. If you would, if you're watching today and you've never uh, accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you've never started a personal relationship with him, Listen, the only reason we exist as a, as a church, there's two reasons. We want to see people who don't know God meet God and be reconciled back into a relationship with him and have a friendship with him again. And we want to help followers of Christ become like Jesus. And if you're watching today and you say, Ryan, Ryan, that really spoke to my heart. I'm, I'm like that man who's at that pool who needs God's grace in his life. I, I need that peace and that hope today. You're here today and maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never accepted him into your life. Maybe you want that journey today. You want to start a relationship with him. It's so simple. That's the best part about serving Jesus, being a follower of God, being a Christian, is that it's not about what we do for him. It's about what he's already done for us. So you don't have to like, you know, run to a church and talk to a, a priest or get on your knees and climb upstairs. Or You don't have to do those things. All you have to do, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. And the gift of salvation for you today is a free gift, undeserved. There's no payment plan. There's no special thing that you need to do to get it. You just believe in your heart with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Lord of your life and you will be saved. So I want to pray with you today. When I'm done praying, there's a little spot right above you that says, I gave my life to Jesus or I raised my hand or maybe you're on Facebook and just on the bottom, you can just go ahead and click there's a send message button and send us a message or maybe you're on our live stream or maybe you're on YouTube. But you can email us at info at lovecitychurch.ca. We want to know whether you've given your life to Christ today. Come on, if you're ready to do that right now, we're going to pray. So why don't you pray with me? Why don't we do this? Why don't we close our eyes? And I'm going to pray. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I am in need of you in my life. I want to give my heart to you. Would you Wash me clean and forgive me of all my sin. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you're God. And I want to follow you and I want to start a journey with you today. I give my life to you, Jesus, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.